to the sermon audio from Renaissance Church. We pray this message equips you to be formed into the image of Christ as you grow in your love of God, and it fuels you to love your neighbor as yourself. We are convinced that while this sermon audio is beneficial, this should only be supplemental and not replace local church involvement, the pastor God has put over your life, or your commitment to gather in person with other believers to make more disciples for the fame of Jesus. Peace be with you. I invite you to read along with me the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Jesus says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. My friends and my brothers and sisters in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. We're going to be focusing on verse 11 this week. And as we've been going through the Lord's Prayer, uh, Jesus has been showing us first and foremost that this is a God-centered prayer. It's a theocentric prayer that before this prayer is ever about us, it's first about Jesus. It's first about this God who not only gifts us with his presence, but as we will learn in this section, he will gift us with provision. While we might say that Jesus has been teaching us that God's presence is greater than his provision, it does not mean that we do not ask for his provision. As evidence in this next section, we we do ask for his provision. We we ask for his name to be set apart, to be the one and only name. We've asked for his kingdom to come. We've prayed for his will to be done in the here and now as we wait for the new heavens and the new earth to come back. And as we pray this prayer, I, I want you to hear this. This is not a prayer that we master. This is a prayer that masters us. This is not a prayer that we master, but a prayer that we are mastered by. And as we pray, we'll soon recognize that even this first petition, this first petition, as we pray for our daily bread, it's not about us. It's about Jesus and how he directs our care for others. It's an other-oriented prayer. And this next line of this poetic prayer is to pray, Our Father. Can you say, Our Father? That he would provide for our daily bread. Can you say, Our daily bread? See, Jesus will instruct us to pray this. is to pray for God to provide for us what we cannot provide ourselves. We are to pray for God to provide for us what we cannot provide for ourselves. He will instruct us this in three ways. We'll learn first what we ask for, 
what we ask for. Second, who we ask for. And third, why we ask for it. So if you're taking notes, those are our three kind of hooks we're hanging our hats on during this sermon. What we ask for, who we ask for, and why we ask for it. You all ready to dive in here? What we ask for, first point. Look at verse 11 with me. He says, pray then like this, give us this day our daily bread. Now, what I'd like to do with these seven words, we have seven words here to look at, is I would like to work our way backwards. I would like to look at these last two words here, daily bread. Now, I want you to imagine Jesus' audience on the hillside. His needy, marginalized, poor audience on the hillside. What do you think would have been running through their minds as they heard the word daily bread. Remember, his audience is primarily marginalized Jews who are living in a land that is occupied by another nation. What story do you think would be running through their minds as they heard the words daily bread? Do you know? The Exodus, manna. Right? They would be thinking of the story of where God did for Israel what Israel could not do for themselves. Right? He saved them from slavery in Egypt and saved them for salvation in a land flowing with milk and honey. And during this story, they got lost for about 40 years. They wandered around in the wilderness because of their grumbling and complaints against God. It would have been better if we were just in slavery back in Egypt. But what did God do for them even in spite of their complaining and grumbling in the wilderness? He provided them not weekly, not monthly, but daily manna. This manna that came down from heaven was what they used to make into cakes that would later form into bread. It was daily sustenance to fill their daily need. And this is what Jesus is teaching us and his disciples to pray for. We are to depend on God's generosity, his benevolence, his grace to provide for our daily provisions, our daily necessities. And yes... Contrary to popular belief, Jesus is talking about physical bread here for our physical bodies. Yes, Jesus is saying that Christian prayer begins with longing for God's presence. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. But it also longs for his provision. For God to provide for us what we cannot provide for ourselves. Now, this audience would have known what is needed in order to have bread on their table every single day, right? In the Western world, us, uh, when we think of bread, we think of what's found in aisle five at Giant Eagle. Did I I get the aisle right, James? James, who works at, yes, got a thumbs up. It's what we go grab with milk. Right? When there a storm comes or a pandemic hits, we need to stock up on our milk and bread. And many of us can go home this afternoon and we can find bread in our cupboards, 
or in a refrigerator, wherever you keep your bread. But we forget what it takes to provide that bread. But not the poor and the needy on this hillside. They would have realized that they have very little, if any, control to provide that daily sustenance. They would have needed a farmer to cultivate the ground, to plant that dead wheat seed. They would have needed the sun and the moon and the clouds and the rains of various seasons to work in tandem to provide the right atmosphere for that seed to once what was dead to come alive. They would have needed harvesters, laborers to harvest that grain. They would have needed laborers to then mill that grain. They would have needed laborers to then knead the dough and laborers to go to the well and find water and laborers to get salt and laborers to cultivate the yeast if you wanted leaven bread and laborers to fill the wood that was needed for the oven that needed laborers to build that oven and laborers to bake that bread. And then you would need your own daily labor so you didn't have to steal the bread. You would work for the money in order to purchase that bread that you did not make from a job that you did not create. They needed God to provide for them what they could not provide for themselves. When we think about bread this way, even basic necessities that Jesus is talking about, like a job, clothing, the more we meditate on this, it begins to humble us, doesn't it? Blessed are the poor in spirit. It begins to teach us how impoverished we really are without God daily providing our needs. What do we have? What do we have that wasn't given to us? I mean, how many of you enjoy cooking and making things in this room? How many times have you said to your guest, I have made this from scratch? Or you post on Instagram, look what I did today. When we think about everything that goes into what we make, how much of it did we actually do? How much of it did we actually provide for ourselves? Very little. Very little. When Jesus speaks about daily bread, he is, yes, talking about the end result that is on our table, but he's talking about everything that is needed in order to provide that daily bread. A fair economy. Jobs good weather, a home to bake it in, and good businesses to sell it at a fair price. But remember, it's daily bread. Remember in the wilderness? How much were they allowed to gather? How much were the Israelites allowed to gather each day? Just enough for what? The day. 
to teach them that they can trust God for tomorrow because he has provided for them today. That he, if he provides for them today, then his character will prove true that he will provide for their basic needs, not to be confused with wants. He doesn't say, pray for weekly bread, not monthly, not a trust fund to buy bread a year from now, not a little nest egg. Do you see what God is inviting us to pray for? Not what you need tomorrow, but what you need today. Do you pray like this? Do you pray like this? Because God provides for us what we cannot provide for ourselves. Look at what King Agur prays for in Proverbs 30 from wisdom literature. He says, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is, say that word with me, needful for me. Lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Do you see what he's saying? Just give me what I need. Why? So that I don't have too much where I say that you are unnecessary, God. To where I don't have too little where I might say that you do not care for my every need. Just give me what is needed so that your name is not profaned, so that your name is hallowed. Too much says God is unnecessary. Too little says God is unconcerned. Do we trust him with the basic needs that he provides in order to be content? Look what the Apostle Paul writes. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing. Can the church say nothing? We brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But we have food and clothing, and with these we will be content. What is Paul saying? He's provided for our daily need. I can be content. We can trust Israel. We can trust God like Israel trusted God in the wanderings. As they were between being saved and awaiting the promised land, we are too in between being saved by Christ and waiting for the new heavens and new earth. Do we pray for our daily bread? This is what we pray for. What we need, not to be confused with what we want. That's what we pray for. But who? Who? We ask for. Second point. So did you notice that Jesus changes the use of pronouns? We're going back to English class right now in second grade. Right? He's changed it from the second person singular, your kingdom, your name, your will be done, to now the first person plural. Our daily bread. We're working backwards in this text. Our daily bread. Look with me in verse 6 of Give us this day, say our, our daily bread. See, just as the first part of this prayer teaches us to get our eyes off of this I am and put it on the great I am, this next part of this prayer takes the focus off of me and puts it on we. Our community, our daily bread. Now, is it wrong for us to pray individual prayers? Absolutely not. It's only wrong when it's at the expense 
of our neighbors and loved ones around us. It's not selfish to pray for our own needs, but the hour in this... This prayer teaches us that it's our Father who provides for our needs. And the way that our Father provides for our needs is when those who have much provide for those who have little. This is not just praying for the community, but with the community so that God might provide through us. Do you hear that, church? Look what Dale Bruner writes in his commentary. He says, No Christian can be content to have too much while others have too little. This prayer teaches us that it's a, we are blessed to be a blessing. We are given much to give out much. Just as God saved Israel through these plagues, he's saving us through another plague. This prayer saves us through the plague of greed of selfishness, of self-centeredness, and consumeristic individualism. Our, not my daily bread, our daily bread. Let me ask you, do you find yourself only praying for your needs at the expense of other needs? Are your prayers me-centered or are they God-centered, which makes them other-oriented? How do you pray? And I wonder if you've noticed, as we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, how often Jesus mentions that it's not just about our Father's glory in heaven, but it's also about our communal good. I mean, even later when we go through the passage where he talks about not to be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. He says, don't be like the Gentiles asking these questions like, what will we eat? He doesn't say, what will I eat? What will we eat or what will we wear? He talks about the communal good. And the reason why I think Jesus tells us not to be anxious, one of the reasons he tells us this is because he knows we have a tendency to hoard when we're fearful about our provision for tomorrow. We have a tendency to hoard for ourselves because we don't believe God will provide for tomorrow. Now what's amazing is that hoarding is celebrated in our culture. Every, I feel like every week I see a brand new storage facility built up, right? And people rent these things out, spend their money on these storage facilities to store things for things they don't really need. How do I know they don't need them? It's because they never get unlocked again after you lock it up. In some cases, we might look at some elements of hoarding as humorous. In all reality, it's very sad. We'll call the guy who stacks newspapers in his living room crazy. But we'll call someone who stacks green paperbacks with president's faces on it successful. And we'll put him on the cover of a fortune magazine. Both are elements of hoarding for tomorrow. Why? Because hoarding is rooted in anxiety. Hoarding disorders are rooted in anxiety that tomorrow or in the future you won't be provided for. 
Hoarders say, I must keep this for me now just in case I need it tomorrow or in the future. But Christians, through this prayer, say, what is mine today is also ours if you need it today. Because our God provides for our needs what we cannot provide ourselves. Do you hear me, church? Our daily needs. The Apostle James warns about just praying for others' daily needs without providing for them. Look what he writes in James chapter 2. If a brother or sister, that is an, another Christian, is poorly clothed and lacking it, what, what kind of food? What does he say there? Daily food. And one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body? What good is that? And he then goes on to say these words. These, these are not my words. These are Jesus' brother James's words, that your faith is dead if you just pray for someone else's needs and you don't give to them. Your faith is dead. Why? Because we're not mirroring a God who is alive, who cares for our physical needs. And we are called to not just pray for our physical needs, but others as a way of showing off the hallowness of God's name, the coming of God's kingdom, and the will of God being done on earth as it is in heaven. Can the church say amen? What do we ask for? Daily needs. Isn't that a beautiful sound? The cooing of a baby. How God even provides for the daily needs of a child without even the child knowing their own need through the provision of another, a mother? Or will we be like children recognizing our daily needs, cooing and awing for our need from our Father who wants to provide? Amen? This is what we ask for, our daily need. And who do we ask for? It's we, not just me. But finally, why we ask for it. Why we ask for it. Now, there are a few reasons why I think Jesus teaches us to ask God for these things. The first is we can slip into this kind of mentality that God only cares about the soul and not our body. That he only cares for what's spiritual and not what's physical. We slip into this kind of American Gnosticism where everything spiritual is good and physical is bad. But this prayer shows us that God sees your physical needs, knows your physical needs, cares about them, and he provides for them. He provides for these daily needs because for God, the soul and the body are inseparable. That's why God wants us to not just love him with all our heart, more soul, body, and strength, but to be needy in our heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. We don't just need him for forgiveness and salvation, but we also need him for food and sustenance. But he also knows that we're tempted to pray for future bread. To provide for future needs. 
because we aren't really all that thankful about our current needs. We look over those current needs. We forget these first four words. Look again in Matthew 6, verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Do you notice that twice? This day, daily bread, today. Jesus is showing us our right now, current reality, need to depend on God for everything we need. It's today. See, this prayer requires you to acknowledge your own personal inability. This prayer requires you to acknowledge your own personal weakness. This prayer requires you to acknowledge your own personal neediness. Daily prayer acknowledges daily need. Are you needy? Are you needy? Daily prayer acknowledges God's call for you to be content with what he's given you today, trusting that he'll provide tomorrow. And if we are dependent on something as basic as bread for God to provide it, can you imagine the list of other things we need to be dependent on God to provide for us that we cannot provide for ourselves? See, at the root of this, prayer yanks us out of the delusion of self-sufficiency. Out of the delusion of self-control. And reminds us of how deeply needy we actually are. Let me ask you, have you, have we, have we in fact quit praying for our daily needs because we quit seeing ourselves as needy today? Have you quit praying for your daily needs because you began to see yourself as all-sufficient? See, at the root of this, the root of this prayer, we don't believe the first two words, give us Give, to ask somebody to give us something is to recognize that we can't provide it on our own. And there are two things that are an enemy to this type of prayerfulness. Entitlement and earning. Two enemies that are, the, that are against this type of praying for a daily need. Entitlement and earning. What is entitlement? Well, how many of you have been to a, a restaurant this week as the, the city is continuing to start opening up again? Anyone else sat down at a restaurant recently? Now, when we go in, we go in with this idea that a cold glass of water ought to be served to us without us asking for it or paying for it. Why? Because we're a customer. That is entitlement. Des believing that you deserve something because of who you are. Entitlement is an enemy to this type of daily praying. Have you stopped praying this way because you've started to believe you're owed these basic needs because of who you are? Have you stopped praying this way because you think it's your God-given right 
to have your basic needs met. That's when you know you've entered into an entitled way of living and not a dependent way of praying. But we also don't ask God to give us these things because instead of believing the story like the Israelites are in great need for God to provide every single day, we start believing the stories of our culture that everything we have is based on what we do. That everything that we have is based on our grit and not God's gift of grace. We begin to believe that if we work enough, get the right job, that we are the ones who actually provide for our daily needs. And this story deceives us because it leads us to believe that everything we have is because we've worked for it and we've provided for ourselves. We begin to take God's provision for granted because we think that we earned it through our grit and it's no longer a gift. And at the same time, maybe it's just me, that as I begin to believe that I have what I have because I've worked for it, I also become ungrateful because I don't have enough. Anybody else there? And when we become ungrateful, it leads to greediness so that I can have more and it leaves room for nobody else in the community. Greedy people say, I've worked hard for what I have and I shouldn't have to provide for anybody else if they've been so irresponsible. See, thinking that provision comes by our grit and not by grace leads us to believe that we should determine how then we should dull it out to others. But Jesus will not allow that through the way he teaches us to pray. He commands us to say, not give me, but give what? Us. Give us. That's a plural. Give us our daily bread so that we're reminded that every gift that we have comes from God through others. Look what the Apostle Paul writes against to that church in Corinth. He writes, what do you have that you didn't receive? In fact, if in fact you did receive it, why do you boast as if you hadn't received it? See, to not pray this prayer to believe that the reason why we have these things is because of me. To not pray this prayer is to believe that we are self-sufficient. To not pray this prayer is to believe that we are in control of providing for our own needs. To not pray this prayer is to believe that an all-powerful, loving, gracious, and compassionate God doesn't see you, doesn't know you, and doesn't want to provide for your needs, but to pray this prayer is to believe that we are needy and God is all-sufficient. To pray this prayer is to believe that we are not in control, but God is in control and he will provide for our daily needs. To pray this prayer is to believe that God is compassionate, he's gracious, he's generous, he's benevolent, he sees us, he knows us, and he will provide for our needs. Because he knows our needs before we even ask. How do we know God will provide and sufficient to provide for these needs? Is because he knows our needs. He knows our needs. These are Jesus' words, just a few verses upwards of where you're reading right now. 
God knows your needs. And sometimes we ask the question, why would we pray to a God who already knows our needs? And I just think that's the wrong question to ask. Why would you pray to a God who doesn't know your needs? And why wouldn't you pray to a Father who knows your needs? You see, praying to God our Father who knows our needs is not to remind him like a forgetful father that he forgot to feed us dinner. No, praying to God this way. Remember, this is a prayer that we do not master. It masters us. Praying to God reminds us, the forgetful children, that we do not provide for us. But our Father who knows our needs provides for us. He provides everything that he needs. He not only provides forgiveness, but food. He provides salvation and sustenance. And if he has provided for our eternal needs, how much more will he provide for your daily needs? You see, bread, bread in those days was seen as life. That if you didn't have bread on the table, you would die. You would die. Bread was life. And to pray for bread is, yes, to pray that we would remain physically alive. But I'm also sure that after Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, that as his disciples continued to pray this prayer, they would also remember something else that Jesus said. I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. And those in that culture would have understood that in order for bread to give you life, something had to die. What does bread come from? Wheat that was once alive, harvested when it was dead, in order to be formed into something to give us life. And isn't that anything when it comes to our daily sustenance for food? Doesn't something have to die in order to give us life? Whether it's an animal or a crop. Death has to come in order so that we might have life. And so as they're hearing these words, I am the bread of life. When they pray this prayer for bread, we see how wheat, which was once alive, dies so that they can live. Jesus' words take on this brand new meaning. That when he says, I am the bread of life, it's another way of saying, without my death, you cannot live. Without my sacrifice, you cannot be made whole. Without my offering of myself on this cross and my death, you cannot have life. Jesus is saying without his death, no one else can live. But if you come to him and accept his death on your behalf, you now can live. Because the bread of life has died so that you might live. And how is this the case? How is this the case that Jesus gives us life? What's well, to believe the same thing about bread and food and sustenance that God only can provide for us what we cannot provide for ourselves is the same thing that's true about salvation. That in Christ, God provides for us what we cannot provide for ourselves. We cannot provide forgiveness for ourselves, but Christ can. We cannot provide salvation for ourselves, but Christ can. Jesus has come to do what we cannot do. He has lived the life we are meant to live. He's died the death that you would deserve to die so that you can be called righteous before God, so that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be satisfied. 
And friends, we are not entitled to this relationship with God because of who we are. No, we get this relationship with God because of who Jesus is. And we, are not, we can't earn this relationship with God through what we do. It's only through what Jesus has done for us on our behalf. So all of this is by grace. It's by grace you've been saved, not by your works. It is a free gift at the expense of Jesus' losing his life so we can taste and see the bread of life is good. So now we're invited not only into Jesus' life, but also his death. We bury our self-sufficiency in the grave and walk out in newness of life. We bury our pseudo-control of provision for ourselves, and we walk out in newness of life, and we bury our pride that we can provide for ourselves and walk out trusting that God has already given us what we need for today and trust that he will give us what we need for tomorrow. Amen? And so now we live in this tension of this already not yet. Why do we know that God will provide for our daily needs? It's because he has already provided for our eternal needs. And just like the Israelites were saved from slavery and saved for the promised land, we have now, in between reality, saved from our sins as we are awaiting the new heavens and new earth. And what do we wait on and pray for like the Israelites did? daily bread. That just as in salvation he provides for us what we cannot provide for ourselves, so he does in sustenance. He provides for us what we cannot provide for ourselves. So we pray to him, give us this day our daily bread because we cannot give it to ourselves. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, 